Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders that are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders and teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Xvoyant, the one-on-one sales improvement platform that's transforming how high-growth sales leaders use Salesforce around the world. Create one-on-ones your reps will thank you for, and use Xvoyant to help your sales managers create unique plans for every rep on your team. Xvoyant is here to help at this time of crisis. We've put together a sales leadership seminar for sales leadership teams of all shapes and sizes. The current sales leadership crisis will far outlive this COVID crisis we're all facing. And after working with literally hundreds of sales leaders around the world, I've found four levers the most successful sales leaders are adjusting to effectively navigate the storm facing us all right now. This is a one-hour interactive presentation for your sales leaders conducted by me. This seminar is supported by a workbook with key activities you can conduct with your sales leaders as well as a private website with videos to help you implement each of of these levers in a way that will help you create as much influence with your team as you possibly can. We offer this free for all sales leaders. There are no strings, no asks, and nothing but an experience that will motivate and inspire members of your sales leadership team. To schedule your private seminar with your team, hit me up today. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we've got you. Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we are joined by Daryl Prale, Chief Marketing Officer of VanillaSoft, the most established sales engagement platform. VanillaSoft is growing ridiculously fast and now helps sales development teams engage with over 20 million sales contacts every single month, okay? Daryl has a super interesting background that I'm really excited to have him here today. He's had every one of the sales and sales leadership jobs from AE to VP of sales to chief revenue officer, but he's also had the other side. He's had all the marketing jobs. And in some of his stops, he's led both the sales and marketing effort at the same time. So his perspective on B2B sales at this time when we are meeting challenges nobody's ever seen, it's especially important. It's going to be an especially interesting conversation. And and Daryl, he's really done some amazing things. He's been recognized as a sales world top 50 keynote speaker a 2020 top 10 SaaS branding expert, a top 19 B2B marketer to watch in 2019. He has an awesome social media presence. And if you're not following him, he's someone you will want to follow before the show is over. He hosts an award-winning podcast. He's raised nearly $100 million in venture capital himself. And he has been part of acquisitions, mergers, and taking companies public. So he has seen it all. Now, I recently got to meet Daryl as he was the moderator for the Team USA versus Team UK Smackdown. I knew the way he handled himself and the the insights that he had. I needed to have him on our show. As I've gotten to know him, the dude has done it all. He's been hired, fired, and did everything in between. I cannot wait for the conversation. Daryl, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to the show. Dude, I'm thrilled to be here. Who the hell is your copywriter? I got to hire them. They sound phenomenal. Holy smokes. (laughs) I do it all myself, man. And it's easy when I'm working with great talent like you. Oh um, my gosh. Thank you so much. That was very generous of you. Thanks for joining us. It was fun to be on, uh, on the UK versus USA Smackdown that uh, we had. It sounds like you're real close to doing the women's version. I've had so many questions. Maybe you could, you could uh, give us a little insight on that and then we'll get into what you're doing at VanillaSoft. The women's version is queued up. We uh, were having it. Uh, so let's, let's find out. Um, hopefully, I'm not sure when this is airing. So here we go. It's happening May 20th at 11 a.m. Eastern time, 4 p.m. British summertime, Team UK (laughs) versus Team USA. We've got six women, six of the industry's brightest, smartest, most accomplished women on each team, each with a personality all of their own and a style to match. Not unlike the men where the women will, you know, they will be as smart and as capable as the men. They will probably, and I'm totally stereotyping here, be way better dressed than, than the men were too. So, so no football jerseys and baseball caps. I do not expect football (laughs) jerseys. I do not, but uh, it's happening. It's happening. I'll, you know, just some of the women, I, I, this is just a handful team UK. uh, We've got Allison, uh, 
Edgar, and then uh, we've got uh, Karen Dunn Squire, uh, two prolific people. Allison, best-selling author. I mean, she's been mm. on television. Yeah. She speaks everywhere. On Team USA, we've got uh, Sam McKenna, an amazing woman, and we got Sherry Levitin. I mean, my gosh, she's everywhere as well. So that's just that's just four of the yeah. twelve women are going to be there. You got to be there, man. And it's, it's awesome. my my money says they'll be better than the men were. That's probably a pretty safe bet. I've had Sherry and Sam on the show. I'm huge fans of both of them. And I'm still going to bet on USA, though. I'm not going to bet on UK. I'm going to bet on USA. All right. And the wagers begin. (laughs) I love it. So I'm really excited to have you. Why don't, for our listeners, just tell us about Vanilla Soft and what you guys do for your customers. All right. No problem. So Vanilla Soft, I'll make this short and sweet. I mean, if uh, it's sales engagement, right? So it's a crowded, popular space. Everybody knows that. Apparently, I'm told it's the number two most common inquiry analysts get that it used to be CRM and then marketing automation. Now it's CRM and sales engagement. So that's how popular it is and how critical it is to your success. Now, lots of players in the space, not just VanillaSoft. You might know other ones. There's this unicorn called Outreach and this other player called SalesLoft. So what I always tell people, are you familiar with those vendors? Now, nine times out of 10, they go, oh, yeah. I said, well, we do that, which is a wonderful, you know, straight man response because then they always do this. They always say, well, how are you different? And I'm like, I'm glad you asked. Mm -hmm. So how we're different is multiple ways. One, we're SMB, where sales love and outreach are all in on the enterprise. Two, they're all in a high tech. They may say something else, but you won't find them anywhere else. We are, high tech is 18% of us. We are prolific in insurance and healthcare and finance, higher ed, not-for-profit professional services. So in this particular climate we find ourselves in right now, my diversity is a wonderful thing. Yeah. Uh, last, there is no list in VanillaSoft, in SalesLoft, in Outreach, and Salesforce.com. Everything's a list, and the reps love to cherry pick, and that's why lists suck. We instead, we serve the reps the next best lead. So if all of a sudden wow. you got in intent data coming from G2 or somebody's filled out a site, a form on your site, boom, to the front of the queue. And that's who you get next. So that gives you a lot more power. Uh, If you are a bottom up sales organization where the SDRs have complete autonomy, you're probably not a good fit for us. If you're top down where you say, this is the way we're doing it. Here's the plan. Go. We're a much better fit. So that's what we do. Love it. That's awesome. Uh, It's an important thing. I didn't realize that it was the number one request. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, cool. You guys are doing big things. You though have had an amazing journey. I, as I've gotten to know you, Daryl, and learn more about your background, you really have seen and done it all as it relates to the revenue, the commercialization side of what, what organizations do. Can you just give us kind of a high level flyby on, on how you ended up at VanillaSoft? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, for those who don't know, I, I actually am a computer programmer. That's, that's my education. What? Yeah. I'm a computer programmer. I code it for like six years. No but way. I did. I did. I did. I was really good, man. You asked me my, about all about ASCII and hex codes and everything else. I've done C and I've done assembler and I've done COBOL. I mean, I'm all over the place. So uh, that's what I did. But here's the scoop. When I, when I finished university, I was burnt out of high tech. I was burnt out of coding. And, and uh, so I said, I can't do this. I, I bailed, got the degree and said, I'm out of here. No what way. do I do? And, uh, and everybody who knew me said, uh, dude, you should be in sales. And I had no clue. Like what sales, what the hell do I sell? And so my first job, I was selling photocopiers door to door. I had the Plymouth Voyager minivan that you had to buy because you had to put all the equipment in the minivan. So you can go, you know, from industrial strip mall <laughs> to industrial strip mall. You had to wear the suit in those days. Not like today where jeans are fine. And you had to go walking up to every greasy, you know, HVAC mechanic, accountant you can imagine and try to sell them a photocopier that they really didn't need so that was my introduction to sales i did that for over six months and i said okay i'm i'm feeling beat down beat up rejected useless bad i suffer from this problem of integrity and i watched the guys who are succeeding are totally misrepresenting the product and the ability and the finance options and everything else i want out of here went back to coding got tired of coding again and I said, what, what now? And then, and then that's where the journey really began. I became, I became a sales engineer. Okay. And in those days, a sales engineer, you know, the world of SaaS didn't exist. I had to actually go and mock up every single freaking, you know, yeah. pitch sales engineer. And from that I had some, I had a good success and I became then a, a product manager because I was good at the sales engineer side. And then that led to be product marketing, which led to marketing before you know it. I'm a VP of marketing for the first time at 29 years old. And uh, I had a lot of fun, but you know, jobs go on. 
and all of a sudden, you know, sales are sucking and you're back and you're, and you're selling again because you can do that and you're there. And before you know it, you're, you're doing what I did twice over where now all of a sudden you are the head of sales and the head of marketing, multiple companies. So you wear multiple hats and that's always a challenge. I've got to tell you that. Finally, uh, after having lots of fun and raising lots of money and getting hired and fired, uh, I had enough. Got my own agency going. I have my own agency, uh, marketing agency for almost 10 years. And of course, the, the irony of, of me owning a marketing agency was that I spent all my time selling marketing because <laughs> I got to feed, feed the machine. So, uh, and then in 2017, recruiter came knocking on my door for VanillaSoft. Uh, I knew him as a personal relationship. I told him to go to hell four times. And the fourth time he popped on me, he dropped a few swear words and he says, get your ass in the interview. I know them. I know you. You're a good fit. And because of his convincing storytelling, I actually closed my business down and became CMO. No I did. Yeah. What a shut great it all down. story. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Not a problem. Um, that's awesome. So that sets up the conversation that I want to have. So I, I, I've learned, Daryl, with guys like you, I have to watch time, man, because I get wrapped yes. up into stories. Okay. And so we are seeing stuff like you've seen it all. You've started stuff. You've, you've done your own thing. You've worked for high growth companies like, Vanilla Soft, you, you were SaaS before SaaS was cool, all of that kind of stuff. But we are seeing something now that no one's seen as we see sales orgs have to face pandemics and the impacts from it and what's happening to companies that are selling things and people that should be buying things and a lot of stuff in between. I'm very interested because with what you do with Vanilla Soft, you talk to lots of sales orgs, right? You host a show that has some awesome sales leaders coming through it. You service the sales community in a really broad way because like you said, some of the other people are highly specialized on, you know, very like tech only and SMB, man, that's the biggest segment and you're doing that in a broad way. So you're seeing a lot. What are some of the things you're seeing happening to sales orgs and maybe more important, how are you seeing sales orgs finding ways to be successful right now? All right. So we're seeing two things happening. Uh, one, and it's predictable, really. It's not a shock. One is um, they're frozen. They just don't know what to do. So they fall back on what they know. So if, if what I always did isn't working, let's do more phone calls and let's send more emails and let's not personalize it. Um, so that's the first part. We see a lot of that. And then they bitch and whine and they say, I can't get a deal to save my life because it's COVID. It's all COVID. It's not me. Um, so there's that aspect. The other aspect is a dramatic you know, adaptation called a pivot where they actually look critically at their own operations. They talk to their customers and in SaaS companies, especially because it's all subscription based, you really get an insight real fast on who's renewing and who's not renewing. Right. Um, so, and, 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 and they go where the action is. So for us, for example, right, we have a number of clients who are selling into hospitality, um, travel, that kind of stuff. And, and those clients, they're dead in the water. There's nothing you can do because the restaurants are closed. No one's cruising. You know, they're just shut down. But then we have other clients who are in other industries like insurance or healthcare. And in this environment, they're on fire. So hmm. what, we're, what we did at VanillaSoft is indicative of what others have done, which is they're literally just saying, I, I love you. I hug you. You're here. I can help you. Let me know. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave you be for now. And I'm just going to go over here and I'm going to double down over here. The best line I heard was Michael Padone, where he said, listen, if you're calling in and you should not stop calling because people are answering now more than ever, you know, when they answer the phone, the question is really simple. It's like, hey, I just got a quick question for you. Are you camp A or are you camp B? And they're like, well, what do you mean? But camp A says, you're hunkered down, you're waiting this out and you're doing nothing until that happens. Camp B though says, this is a growth opportunity. You're going to fix up the back end. You're going to train the reps. You're going to go nuts. Are you camp A or you can't be? On camp A, okay, no problem. I'm going to send you some great stuff. I'll talk to you in three months. On camp B, let's talk. So they're embracing that as an approach, but really that's what we're seeing. We're seeing that pivot and that adaptation. The other thing is we're seeing is we're seeing all in on digital. So if you've been avoiding social before, it's too late. I got news for you because now it's just louder than it's ever been. But for those who had been doing the social selling, that's where they're getting a lot of their leads now. So they're trying to add a lot of value. And then what you have, even within that though, is you have the laggards and you have the thought leaders. The laggards are still sending emails out to say, uh, how can we help you during COVID? Top 10 sales trip tips and tricks during COVID. And anything that's got COVID in the subject line or in the body has a 50% less open rate than those who do not. Wow. We 50%? all know 50%. 50%. 
50%. We all know about COVID. Stop playing on that. That was interesting six weeks ago or eight weeks ago. It's not interesting now. I don't want to hear about it now. So next, go talk about the issues that they're facing right now. And your first line should not open up with, we're all in this together. We're all facing tough times. It's bullshit cliche. Just talk to them one-on-one. That's what they want, a relationship. All right. So I want to talk, I want to go into both of these now. I've got, I burned up half a page of notes already, man. And we're only like five minutes into this thing, brother. And so I, I want to talk about this freeze idea for a second. Okay. So I, I, I look at it as like two lines, going, one, going, one that's high that comes down and one that's low that goes up and they cross. And I think when this thing started, I mean, COVID thing has been coming on since February, people talk about, but like we've been locked down for like six weeks, right? It's been like six weeks. In the six-week period of time when the shit hit the fan, <coughs> excuse me, the first thing that happens is people go into defense mode. That's what you're seeing, the freeze, right? And, yep. and they're like, what do I do to make sure we're going to be okay? Are we going to be okay? Uh, what do I do to protect my company or myself, my family, et cetera? But then it can't wait very long. This other line that was on the bottom, the offense line's got to come back up. Like within a month and, or two months, as sales leaders, we got to figure out how to help our people how do I get out of being froze mode and how do I start playing offense, which is your second thing. I love how you talk about camp A versus camp B. That's a really interesting tactic. I like that. Yeah. Can you share a little bit of thoughts? Like, cause you get to work with a lot of people and I, and I really respect your perspective. Sales listeners around sales leaders around the world are listening to us right now, Daryl. I used to have fun with it. I would always say, Oh, they're either stuck in traffic on their commute. They're on the train or they're on the <laughs> treadmill. It's still, they may be on a hike now, but they're probably not on the treadmill and they're at their house with their kids screaming in the back. Right. Yes. So, so, um, how probably in the help- bathroom with the door shut with the headphones in yes. looking for some peace and quiet. <laughs> yes. yes. So talk to my sales leaders. How do you help your sales team stay in offense mode right now? Can you oh. stay in offense mode? Can you do that? Yes, you can. So, Let's use an example. I saw an article came out just the other day, literally in the last 24, 48 hours, and it was published by Gartner Group. And this was a really good example. Okay. And the whole point was, what do you do in this situation? And they, they looked at it from a point of view of account-based marketing. Now, I understand not all of you do account-based marketing. Some of you do, some of you don't. But even the ones who don't, you still understand the idea of having an industry focus. Let's look at it from that point of view. What they're saying is this. You do not focus if you, have to, if you want to go offense, but you're worried about your long-term viability, you're worried about your cash and your burn, right. then what you don't do is, you know, you know, we know you're going to cut back some of your spend or some of your efforts on your reps. And in fact, what you need to do is not necessarily cut back. You need to hyper-focus, which is a variation of what I was saying. So in their example, they were saying, let's say you have six or eight channels you might got you had direct mail you've got uh, marketing emails you got sdr emails you've got uh, paid advertising uh, you got virtual events uh etc right so you got all these different channels that you're using to get in front of your prospect they're saying their advice and this is based on statistical research on what works and what doesn't um looking at companies with 50 million in revenue or more even though the interview goes back for anybody with 10 million in revenue or more and they compared where the lift was and the lift was this you kept the same number of channels, but you focused your list smaller. So what's the takeaway on that? If your reps are focused, if they got 100 or 300 or 500 people that they're targeting on, they're saying cut it in half, reach out to more people, make sure it's highly focused, highly targeted, but continue to do multi-channel outreach. So you're really focusing on the upper half of the most probable targets as hmm. opposed to the entire, the entire list you've got. So that's what you got to do right now. Get them focused, get them landing and expanding on those most high probable accounts that you can win. So then let's talk about how we do that. I, I can't wait to dive into this one. Like I said, our, our listeners like this. They know me well enough now, Daryl, that when, when I get a nugget like what you just did, I sit on it for a minute. We burrow for a while, okay? Sure. Let's We're going to burrow into this thing for a minute. I, I, I am seeing as I work with sales leaders around the world, that one of the things that is driving the ability to stay on offense, at least from my perspective, and it's limited, I know, is that usage situations are changing. Changing. So there were some usage situations. People always talk about the ICP. I think that the ICP is fueled by the usage situation. Yeah, use cases. Totally. And, yeah. Yeah. and so usage, some usage situations that we might have built a company on might be dead now. Right. Some usage situations like, like you know, um, I, one of the largest sporting goods uh, distributors in the United States is someone that I just spoke for. And 
nobody's playing right now. Okay? Right. No teams are playing. It's hard to sell uniforms when they're not playing. That use case is now screwed. Other use cases are emerging. So I want to tell you the story that, and then I want to get your take on how do you do this? So I'm a traveler. I'm on the road all the time. Uh, I have a piece of equipment I keep in my backpack. I have two of them. It's these small portable chargers. Yep. Size, I, don't, I want it small, but I want to be able to charge my phone at least twice. Okay. Um, charge tech, they send me marketing messages because I bought a number of their devices. Last week, I got a new message from them, Daryl. Okay. They said, we are now, uh, we bring a different device. It's not small and it's not portable. It's a big freaking thing that sits on a desk. And it's the way you beat cabin fever. This is how when you're working from home, you take your computer, printer, monitor, sound thing, everything goes outside because it's spring, get out of the house. We're going to charge your whole workstation outside at the park now. And that's an interesting use case that didn't used to exist. And so when you're saying find those top tiers, how do you find out what are the usage situations that have emerged or not emerged? Is there a way that salespeople can work with marketers and do a good job of that? Yes. So what you just described much better than I did is what I said when I was saying adapt and pivot. Yep. It's not just a pivoting on your verticals or your markets it's or your ICP, but it's also pivoting on what you're offering, right? And it sounds stupid. Okay, your sports apparel client can't yeah. sell to teams, but I bet you they could go and sell to all these companies who are working from home so they can all be on the Zoom call wearing their company you know, apparel and feeling good that we're apart, but we're together. That would be an example Beautiful. of a Beautiful. pivot, right? Beautiful. And how you do it, it's this, 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 you're making me get all exasperated. No, how you I think do this it, is big though, dude. So I'm glad you're exasperated because I think this is, I think this is big right now. It is big. And, and the answer is so freaking stupid easy. Okay. But no, you pick up the phone and you call your client who likes you because they're, you're already your client and you have a conversation with them and you do that three, four, five times and you say, what are you doing? And you focus it, you hyper, you hyper segment. So in your case, I'm going to call all my sports apparel clients. I'm going to call all my battery charging clients. I'm going to say, what the hell are you doing? What's going on? And then soon enough, I'm going to hear nuggets from every individual about, oh, well, we tried this campaign where we did this big honking thing or we sold jerseys to you know sales teams so they feel rah 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 while they're working from home and then all of a sudden you yourself now that becomes part of your pitch hey do you got five minutes i want to tell you about another client in the same industry and what they're doing and where they're having success right now tell me they will take that call every single time I love it. This is the second time we talked about the phone. The first thing you said is people are answering the phone more than ever when you're trying to sell something to them. Yep. I got to think that if you're already working with them and you're talking to them to find out what now matters, they're going to continue to pick it up even more. Yeah. Uh, as you help companies do this, so you're, you're, you're the chief marketing officer. Uh, we're talking to a bunch of sales leaders right now. So let's, let's continue to burrow then. So what can sales leaders do to help their sales teams make sure that they're part of this. I mean, you want to have the sales teams. Do you want every sales rep helping with this? Is this something that they should be coaching their teams on right now? Should this be reserved for the marketing team to do this? What would you recommend sales leaders do to help find the emerging sales situations? Okay. So let me, I'm going to introduce you to a dirty little secret. Everybody should do it. And this is why. Right? Whoa. You should, back I know. Up. That's a soundbite. I want to, I want you to like, this is good. Let's back up and say that again. Sales and marketing should all be talking to the customers on their own or in a group conversation together. And this is why sales will use that information different from marketing and vice versa, but you need each other. So if marketing hears about a campaign you guys are doing, marketing is going to go make you a kick-ass piece of collateral or they're going to organize a webinar or they're going to do a podcast they're going to get on rob jepson's show and organize a guest appearance to talk about what you guys can do that you guys can't sales guys can't do sales guys want to share that information with marketing marketing whatever they hear marketing is talking to people sales isn't talking to so not, they're not just talking to customers they're talking to analysts and press and other vendors all right. And they're relaying back what other vendors, sales teams and marketing teams are doing to the, to the sales guys. So you got to have that sales and marketing alignment. If you don't stop playing us against them and who has the most cachet and the power at the boardroom, because nobody gives a shit. All right. You're all measured on revenue. That's the first thing you need to do. 
sales guys, you need to make those calls. Every single one of you need to make those calls. So even if you're an SDR and you're calling out, you know, somebody low on the totem pole, if they answer the phone, which they will, take the time to say, okay, you're not interested. I get it. No problem. But while I got you here, just between you and I, do you mind if I ask you a couple of questions? I just really want to understand your, your situation. And, and there's no, there's no ask other than that. And all of a sudden the person's going to, the guard's going to drop and go, yeah, what? Now, what this means to you sales leaders is that that's going to have an impact on their activity. But if they give you the insights you need, because you're all sharing, and then you can now hyper-focus, you can adapt, you can use case it to death properly. Do you really give a shit about your activity numbers being down 10%? Yeah. So you just went to the next place I wanted to ask you. This is good, man. I, it's, it's, nobody will believe me. They're going to think that I gave you the notes of what I wanted to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you went, so activity levels, you went there. So I'm going to stay there. Okay. Yep. Um, I am seeing right now, there's been tons of people that have been working from home. There's been tons of people that have been inside sales, but with everybody now in distributed environment where it's hundred percent work from home, that's changed a little bit. And I'm seeing sales leaders falling back to spreadsheet leadership mode where they're just counting calls they're trying to justify activity levels, et cetera. And I'm actually hearing, in fact, we heard someone say it early in the UK versus U, U, USA event that you hosted so well. Uh, you asked a question about pandemic, and one of the answers was, it's more of a numbers game than ever before. And if you remember, Richard Harris was so upset by that, he wouldn't even let him answer the question. Yeah, he cut him off right away. Yeah, and I had and to so, beat him up. Yeah, and so... I, but that's not just that person that thinks that I'm actually hearing it more than ever. Hey, is it really time to double down on numbers? Is it more of a numbers getting there before? And I don't think it is. And I think it's a big mistake that we make. And it's because everybody's distributed and we're trying to justify what we're doing. Any thoughts about, about, you know, that, you know, activity levels and where they fall and what their importance is and how you use them as leaders in today's world. Okay. If you come I'm living abroad, you can take, yeah, no, no, it's all good. If you come from a call center kind of background or a, um, even a B2C almost background, activity numbers are your safety blanket. They're what you know, and that's what you get paid for, and that's what you grew up on. That's what you went to the management and training ranks on. I get it. I get it. I get it. Listen, do you, at the end of the day, what drives revenue? Is it activity numbers or is it outcomes? So are outcomes conversations? All right. So if, I, if my goal is to have three conversations today and I hit that by noon, are you going to bust my balls if I decide yeah. to stop? She cut, it's a through the Zoom meeting high five, right? We should celebrate that. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, and then you got to understand is, yeah, you're desperate around activity numbers. And what you're doing is you're making your reps focus on the wrong things. Mm. This is what is going to happen. Mm. When they're doing these, they finally get somebody on the phone. You know what they're thinking of? They're not thinking about qualifying this individual and trying to get some referrals or some insight or some in, in, intel. What they're thinking of is I've got to ask this person three questions and then hang up the call and get on my next call because I have activity numbers to make. They've got a live person on the phone and they're worried about hanging up to do more calls to hit activity numbers. That is the antithesis of what you want to do. You want conversations. You want outcomes. You want actions. Yes, you still have to hold your people accountable. All right. right. And that's incumbent upon you to record those calls and actually do some coaching and say, okay, you had three conversations every single day this week and nothing happened. So now it's not that you're doing it wrong. Clearly you're having conversations is that when you get them on the phone, you're not wow. optimizing how you engage. Now it's on you. It's a coaching issue. It's not a rep issue. It's a coaching issue. I like that because I'm getting so much email still that it's clear that there are a lot of salespeople who think it's just still a volume game. It's, it's yep. templates. It's, you know, push it, you know, get it out to as many people as you can. And, and I'm finding myself maybe more frustrated by that right now. And, and I really am intrigued with your idea of like you say, Hey, are you in camp A, camp B? That's an interesting approach to how do you stand out? How do you differentiate yourself by the experience you create rather than the product you sell? Cause if you can just differentiate with the experience you create, then it's a lot easier to differentiate with the product that you sell. Um, can you, uh, get into that one now a little bit. So now we're moving from just activity levels to as a marketer, you're an expert at how do you differentiate? Cause that's what marketing is and mm -hmm. much of it for our sales leaders, any suggestions on how do you, do they help their reps? Not just be noise. Any, any thoughts around that? Okay. So there's multiple ways I can go with this. Let's start with a high level and then I'll come, okay. I'll come back on the rep level at the high level. I cannot emphasize this enough. 
I'm exasperated again. Um, that means I'm doing reps, good. Too many reps and too many sales leaders, with all due respect, think you know better. And here's the thing. You might. You actually might know better. And I will acknowledge this. But, but hear me out. If I see a certain message or a certain positioning statement or a certain use case or a certain case study that's on a pay-per-click ad or a syndicated content piece or a social advertising, or I see it on a, on a, on a webinar or an ebook, or I come to your site and I download it and I see the messaging on the website and everything else. So I've got this consistent experience and I'm working through the funnel because I'm feeling that experience. And then I get to you, Mr. Sales Rep, who says something completely different I am at odds. I don't know what to do because I thought I was coming here for A and you're talking about B and I wasn't really interested in B. So you've got to make sure you know, that you work with marketing to have a consistent experience. So what your reps are talking about is 100% consistent. Now, if you're right and marketing is wrong, you can't just go to marketing and say, you're wrong. I know better. I'm a sales guy. I hit President's Club last year. Look at me. All right. No one gives a shit about President's <laughs> Club. What you got to do is get data to say, this is why you're right. And, 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 you know, are you a top sales rep? Great. If it's repeatable and I can take your lessons to other reps, then marketing will pay attention. Otherwise, you're just an outlier. And, and chances are your deals that close probably don't renew and probably have high maintenance support calls. Therefore, my actual margins drop, but you don't care about that. So you got to make sure that you're consistent. And if you are right, you've got to educate and communicate. So there's that. On the rep side, what can the reps do? At this moment in time, something remarkable, something absolutely stunning and remarkable has happened. Your buyers have dropped their guards because they're as anxious as you are. They know that they've got to justify their own job. And it's very possible that you're going to give that, that prospect a piece of intel that they hadn't factored in and they're going to be the hero going back and say, well, I was talking to Rob Jepson and he mentioned this and that actually applies to us. And I did some research and yeah, I think we should look at what Rob is talking about because I think that'll solve this problem. So they're looking, they're going to listen to you right now because they're as worried about their job as you are. So now is your chance to be relational and to build that report and to add value. The beauty of camp A, camp B and camp A where they say, yeah, we're hunkered down. I can add value and say, great, what is it you're hunkered down on? What do you need help on? While you're hunkered down, are you doing anything? I've got some great tips and tricks and best practices and podcasting and training material. I can introduce you to my, my, my buddies out there who do sales training. You know, it's not a fit for me, but let me add value for you right now. I'll come back to you cool. in six months' time. So that's what you got to do to take advantage like of that message, that relationship right now. So you've, sure. you're giving me rant. some great stuff, and I'm trying – so I'm, I'm listening to it all and I love everything you're saying. So now what I'm translating it to is I listen to those things about moving past activity levels, though you got to have them and how to stand out. The word that's coming to mind is we're creating an experience, right? It's customer experience. CX yeah. baby. Yeah. So what, any, any tips that you're seeing or you know, you're doing such a good job with this and I, and I respect your background. So for the people that are listening, they're like, okay, Rob, I get it. I get it. We got to do better at that. Any kind of guidelines on things you might say, hey, think about these things when you're trying to create an experience with someone that may not know you yet, right? How, okay. If yeah, they yeah. don't know you yet, how do you create an experience for those people? Okay. So what you want to do is you want to make it personal. You want to make it relevant. So, you know, I'll give you context again, and, and I'm not, I'm just using this for context. And I want you to understand, I have the same problem you have with VanillaSoft. Okay. So let's just look at the facts. Let's put it out there. Yeah. All right. It's all public knowledge. Sales Loft and Outreach have raised, give or take, 250 million US dollars each. Outreach is a unicorn. I've raised less than 1% of that. How do I compete? How do I compete? I compete because I add value. I will contend that VanillaSoft is better than those companies are at being involved in the community and actually adding value, talking to people like Rob and others and bringing them to the table. And you know what we do when we add that value? We talk about how to do discovery call. We talk about how to do, you know, how should, what should, should you be measuring? Talk about how to do social selling. Does any of that crap have anything to do with sales engagement and its truest sense about doing multi-channel engagement? Nothing. It's 100% about selling though. So we're in the same world around selling. So I'm adding value. Okay, so that's what you need to do. You need to add value. So what's a simple way? What's a simple way? 
you're right now in this situation, you can reach out to 10 prospects as a sales reps, learning from marketing. You can say, Hey, 10 prospects, you're all in the same industry together. You're all in the same role. I want to have a mini powwow, just the 10 of us. And we're going to get together and we're going to talk, we're going to share behind closed doors around what's working and what's not, and what's your challenges. And I want vendor A to share with vendor C and vendor D to learn from vendor B. And I'm going to facilitate this. And then I'm going to pull it all together. And then I'm going to put it out to you as a follow-up action item. Mm. And then we can revisit. Now, what have you done in the process? You've added value. You've pulled them all together because they're, willing, they're, they're wanting to learn. They're, they're meeting their peers in the industry. You facilitated this. But lo and behold, in that session, of course, what is going on, but a glorified discovery session where you're learning all of their pains. And now what do you do is you exit that. You just do exactly how we started this whole conversation off with Rob is you pivot and you say, I've just figured out a whole bunch of new use cases. And then you go back to them and you say, okay, guys, this is what I'm thinking. And you had 10 people, but maybe your audience is 100 or 500. So there you go. I love this. So I just wrote down, and now I'm probably connecting dots the wrong way. So tell me, you're my coach right now. Coach me, Daryl, okay? To tell me if I got this right. Uh, all the things you just talked as I was like jotting them down and kind of making a word gram myself of it. Instead of tracking activities, perhaps we start tracking experiences. Yes. Uh, and we start defining experiences maybe in a different way than we might otherwise. And it's how do we create participation? That seems like what I listen to you. It's creating participation rather than just activity. Is that? It's participation. It's activity. And then you're playing the long game on thought leadership. Cause now okay. that same example, nice. I talk to those 10 people and they may be players in my space, like play us, they play us, baby. <laughs> I'm going to turn around. I'm going to say, so, my next, when I do my next series of, you know, calls the next day, you say, uh, yeah, sorry, I missed you. Um, I was just on the horn with Rob Jepson yesterday and he was talking to me about this use case. I thought of you. And if you want, you know, we can talk about, I'll share with you what he said and how, how we're helping him. So what I just did was I name dropped. Yeah. They all know who Rob Jepson is. And we're all in the same industry. You talk to Rob Jepson, you know, Rob Jepson. And then they're going to call you back and say, well, yeah, can you introduce me to Rob Jepson? I mean, <laughs> that's going to happen. So that street, your name gets affiliated with their names and they may not do anything now, but again, in three months, six months, 12 months, you're going to keep on coming. And the next call is going to be, yeah, I was talking to uh, Gabe Villamazar and, uh, and he was saying amazing things. And, uh, yeah. you know, so again, you're name dropping and you're establishing your street cred because here's what you need to understand. If you do that, I guarantee you, your competition isn't. And Love you it. will stand out. And now the experience, when, if all things Good. are equal, if all things are equal, who do I buy from? I buy from who I trust more, like more, respect more, and want to work with. This is good, Daryl. We're down to our last 10 minutes. And so yeah. I, uh, I, 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 I love how fast this goes because you've got so much depth, man. Thank you so much for being willing to, to take these kind of without being prepared and do so well. If you were to talk to a sales leader right now, someone who's been the sales leader and someone that isn't a CMO, and we're in a crazy time where you're right, people are in different camps. Some people are frozen. Some people are trying to, to grow. Some people are, you have reps that are saying, what do I do now? You got the sales leader. Is there like, like two or three things you say, listen, sales leader, here's two or three ways you should really try to be using or partnering with your marketing team right now. Um, like top, like two, three, if it's only one, if you're not doing this, start doing this. If you are doing it, keep doing it. Any kind of top of mind things? Yeah. <laughs> How much time you got? Just 10 minutes. That's you got 10 minutes, baby. Oh, man. <laughs> okay. I think, because I think this is big too. Yeah, it is. Let me... Let me talk to all you sales reps out there and how to work with your marketing department. Now, I want to start off because I know what you're going to say to me. Yes, I fully agree with you. Not every marketing department is equal. Not every marketing department has the same skill set. I get it. Okay. That's tabled for a second. We'll come back to that. You need to hit your number. Marketing needs to have awareness and feed the lead machine. So why not work together? The example I just gave, marketing could do that. You could say, listen, marketing, I want to run a webinar. I'll host it. I'll, I'll be the guy. You just make it happen. And I'm going to talk about this issue. Can you make that happen? That's number one. Number two, marketing. Um, can I 
can I, if I shoot some video on my wonderful iPhone 11 I happen to have here that's on 4K, and I send you that raw footage, can you cut it up? Can you caption it? And can you make that available to me so I can then use that as part of a drip campaign of fulfillment piece? Mm. Um, marketing. There's a, a, a number of accounts that I want to be aware of if they ever visit our site. Can you use some software that will tell me every time they hit the website? Mm. Marketing. Um, can I take control of a specific page in the website? And so when using live chat. So if they go to the pricing page, I want to be notified right now. And I want it to come to me. And I, instead of you using your bots, I want to be the guy. I want to handle that page. Marketing. I want, uh, I want to do social media. Can you coach me on what I need to do? Can you revamp with me my profile? Marketing. I want to do some blog posts that I share with my community, but I'm not a great, very good writer and I'm not, and I ramble a little bit. If I take an outline, can I give it to you to tweak it up and ghostwrite it under my name? And then we post it and then I can share it. Mm. Marketing. I want to do a case study. If I interview my customer and I actually get the interview and I ask all the hard questions and I'll agree with you in advance what those hard questions are. Can you turn that around into a case study that I can then use to go to everybody else? Um, you know, marketing. I want to do a pay-per-click campaign that's just focused on this audience in this region with these banners. Can I have a percentage of your ad spend? Just, I just want a little bit. And then, you know what, if it works great and, and you could take the glory, I just want the leads that flow from it. And, and I'm willing to do an A-B test. If you think your way is right, I want to do something a little bit different. Can I just do A-B test it? And then if you're right, I'll tell you you're right. But if I'm right, you have learned something. So the list goes on and You just on dropped 10 on. right there without even thinking, man. And so what I get from that is you treat it as a partner. I mean- It's it, a partnership. Yeah. This is the one thing I tell my sales brethren all the time. Um, I don't care if your ideas are better than mine. At the end of the day, there's nothing in my comp plan that says I have to have 12 good ideas, one a month. What matters in my comp plan is that I acquire so many new customers or hit these revenue goals. That's where my bonus gets comes in. Guess what, sales? Me as a CMO, I have accelerators in my comp plan too. So why are we fighting? What I like about it, though, is, is you're encouraging them to be proactive. If there's specific things, like whenever you say, I wish, whatever comes after I wish, yeah. find a way to turn that into a conversation is what I'm hearing you say. Yeah. And I want to tell you one more thing here, okay? Um, when, if you came to me as a sales rep and asked me any of those questions I just gave you, yeah. and, and inside, I'm rolling my eyes and I'm going, oh, you don't understand marketing. You just don't get it. Ugh. It's Okay. Here's why this is good. This is my response. My response is, okay, let's do a pilot and we'll see how this goes. And we're, we're going to measure it exactly as I mentioned. We're going to test it. Because what's going to happen is half the time I'm going to be right. And they will now know to that I was right. Yeah. They'll listen to me and my life will be better in the future. <laughs> but the other half of the time they're going to go, I'm going to go, shit, they Great were idea. right. Yeah. And so... In the end, I thought that's all I care about. They, you know, they give me so many millions of dollars to spend on, on my programs. I need to show an ROI. If you can help me do a better job here, dude, I'm your best bud. All right. Last thing I'm going to ask before we get into our rapid fire, the way we finish every episode. This has been awesome. So you just gave me, I asked her the top two or three things to do with marketing. You gave me 10. Can't wait to, it's, that's awesome. We're, we'll have some fun with that. Uh, I, I bet I'll, I bet that's going to be a great clip on our resource center on our website uh, at XYN. So thank you. Last one I got for you. Relevancy is everything right now, obviously, yep. right? Yep. Is there like one or two tips, quick tips you could just give the sales leaders that are listening? You know, here's some suggestions on how you might help your team be more relevant with the market. Oh my. You saved the hardest question until the end. You've done so um, good, Daryl. You, you've kicked ass this whole time, man. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to, answer your question. I'm going to come at it from a different direction. It is relevancy, but it's a different good. direction. Good, good. Okay. So here's, if you want to be relevant, 
don't be tone deaf. Hmm. So don't be asking for a million dollar sale when they're clearly on an economic, you know, restriction until we see how we fare this little blip this year. All right. Don't be tone deaf. If they tell you they're not buying, don't keep on hammering them. That's so I could go on, but a lot of it is you only think you have one arrow. That Dude, you that's use. the title for the episode when we, when we drop it. If you want to be relevant, don't be tone deaf. That's don't be freaking, tone deaf. That's awesome. You, you're talking my language because you know enough of me. I like nuggets like that. You just yeah. dropped a great nugget. I love that. And too many of them are being tone deaf because it goes back to what we talked about at the start of the call. Okay, I'm not having the numbers I want to hit. So we need, instead of doing 100 calls a day, we need to do 150 calls a day. Well, you know, <laughs> no, no, you're being tone deaf. No one's answering the phone. <laughs> For a reason, at least so what you're good, what you're saying. Bro, so so that's really what I'm getting at. You know, okay. if because I assume you're going to pitch a product. We, we talked about use cases already and adapting and pivoting. If you do that, you will be relevant. If you don't do that, you're just stupid. I, I'm so glad I finished with that. That's a great way to finish our conversation. We have just three minutes left, and I always want to finish uh, with my three rapid fire questions and. That tone deafness applies to every single thing you said. People are answering the phone. Don't be tone deaf when you talk to them. Ask them if they're camp A or camp B. Don't be tone deaf, right? Yeah. Find out what problems they're up against. Find the use of situations. Don't be tone deaf. Because you know what, Daryl, before I ask my, my last three, they're, they're really fast. People try to lead with empathy. They're trying to say, how are you doing? And they let you say something. And then they make a hard left turn. They pivot hard. And I'm <laughs> back to my product. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. So don't and be That's why empathy is just contrived. It was so funny. I was on a podcast recently with Benjamin Dennehy. And he made that exact same comment where he said, you know, this all, we're all in it together. His words is bullshit. Because yeah, you just, the first thing you do is you go to the pitch. So are we all in this together? Or is this really about yeah. you? All right. Yeah. Three questions. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. Biggest sales leadership challenge you see and how do you beat it? Oh my goodness. Oh, why are you giving me hard questions? Biggest sales leadership challenge. You're not using enough data. Okay. You, good. you are, you are selling. Like it. Yeah. You're selling too much from the gut. And I, by the way, I'm a big fan of the gut. I don't want you to not use the gut, but use your gut to guide you and lose the date, use the data to back up your assumptions. Half the time you'll be right. Half the time you'll be wrong, but stop just leading based on the way we've always done it. The way I feel like yada, 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 because what you're doing is you're projecting your own biases into the process. Let the data speak for itself. Love it. Great answer. Great suggestion. Great remedy. Thank you very much. Yep. Number two, when you're hiring teammates, Okay, when you're hiring uh, members of your team, what is your favorite interview question or topic? But more important, what are you looking for when you ask it? What's wrong with my company? And you can't, here's the irony of this, and you can't base it on a gut feeling. Okay, and I actually say that to them, all right? <laughs> What's wrong with my company? And you can't base it on a gut feeling. Because what that tells me is a couple of things. It tells me, I mean, where do I start? It tells me, did they prep for the interview? Tells me, do they know the industry? Tells me, do they know me? Do they know what my life is as a head of sales or head of marketing or whatever it is that, that my role is? Do they research me and my competition in the space? Do, if, if they can figure out me intelligently, then I have high confidence they can figure out the prospects I'm trying to sell to. If Love they it. don't have the time to figure me out, when I'm going to pay them a shitload of money every year, they're going to do jack shit in an actual sales job. That is the first time we've had that answer. That is easily one of my favorite answers to that question. And that, that, that question, Daryl, is our listener favorite. That was suggested by listeners. And I get more feedback on the answer to that question than anything else we do. So that's a good one. Last one, okay? Leaders are readers. And uh, is there something that you would recommend that our listeners get a hold of if they want to continue their leadership journey? And I don't care if it's turning pages or audibles or if it's bite-sized chunks like blogs or, or, or podcasts. Anything that you would recommend to help them kind of fuel their, their learning journey? I'm, I'm, I'm a podcast fanatic. I've got like, well, I did 30 podcasts and I don't listen to them all. And I don't listen every single week. And I look at the abstracts and I, and I, I, I listen in the shower and I listen in the car and I listen, listen, I listen nonstop. It's annoying. So that's what feeds me as far as a good read that will really help you out now. 
Okay. I'm a big fan of Mike Weinberg's recent book called Hashtag Sales Truth. And the reason I like that book is because it's, it, you know, Camely guys, he's not talking about anything brand spanking new. We're not talking new paradigms. He's literally dropping truth after truth after truth after truth, which grounds you and he says, yeah, yeah, that's why I have to do it. There's one chapter in there that blows my mind as I always re- think back about it, where he was called into an account and the, and the sales head was saying, you know, uh, we've got this guy out in the Midwest who's kicking ass, but he's an odd duck and no one knows how the hell it is he's selling. We can't figure it out. And so Mike went to this place and he walked into his home office and his wall is all post-it notes. And this guy was an odd duck, but he had done so much diagnosis on who his ICP was and why they cared and so much segmentation. And he was so methodical in his approach that when he picked up the phone and had a conversation, bam, bam, bam because he got it. So he didn't, it just goes to show you, you don't need to be a type A person with a kick-ass personality slapping each other on the ass. You just need to know your craft. That was sales truth. What a great conversation, Daryl. Thank you so much. You're going to have people that are going to be interested in continuing the conversation. You've thrown a lot of tips out that I won't be surprised if people want clarification. Uh, there may be some people want to learn more about Vanilla Soft. For the people that are listening, how do they connect with you? How do they get more content from you? Because I know you put that killer content um, how do they continue the conversation? How do they get more of Daryl? So the easiest way is just LinkedIn, Daryl Prail. Uh, you can go to VanillaSoft.com. I'm on the leadership page. I'm on Twitter. My handle's Opinionated. That's O-H-P-I-N-I-O-N, the number eight, T-E-D. Go figure. I have an opinion. Uh, you can go to my website, DarylPrail.com. But LinkedIn, is, and that's where I live. Okay. All right. He is helping people not be tone deaf around the world, Okay. Uh, Daryl, you are amazing. It has been fantastic to have you. Thank you so much for sharing some of your insights with our listeners. And as I say to everyone, happy selling, my friend. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the show. But before we get to the so what portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast this week, I'm going to do something crazy and plug myself for the first time in show history. I get so many people asking for more help around their own personal sales leadership challenges. People that are wanting to go more, get more specific, get more deeper, and and even get more tactical. And so as a result, I've decided it's time for me to create a community for sales leaders. I've created a community called Sales Leaders United. It's a Patreon community for sales leaders that want to accelerate their personal sales leadership journey. I have every single so what from every one of these podcasts, some of my very best presentations done in both public and private settings, exclusive content where I share what I'm seeing in the one-on-ones I conduct with sales leaders around the world, and much, much more. I've created a place focused on the discipline of sales leadership with a perspective that I believe is very unique based on my career and the people that I work with every single day. If you like our podcast, trust me when I tell you, you will love my Patreon community. Please, please check out Sales Leader United at www.patreon.com forward slash Rob Jepson. If this show has ever been helpful to you and your career, please do me this simple favor and check out my community today. Thanks. Hey everyone, welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first, I want to remind each of you that I have developed a sales leadership seminar for your sales leadership team, and I want to share it with you for free. That's right, free. After working with companies around the world during the COVID crisis, I found four levers the most successful sales leaders are adjusting to create success sooner instead of later. This is an experience for your leaders that will motivate, inspire, and help you create more influence in your one-on-ones immediately. There are no strings or any expectations of any kind. I just want to be as helpful to as many leaders as possible. So please reach out to me and schedule your private experience today. Now, how great was that conversation with Daryl? I first met him on the USA versus UK beatdown, and I loved his approach to corralling so many big personalities on that show. I've since gotten to know him better, and I frankly am blown away with his approach to and the understanding of our profession in sales. He really has this unique experience where he's done all the stuff on the sales side and all the marketing side, and it makes him such a, an awesome person to have as a, as a reference point. And so Daryl had great 
advice and research around the importance of focus right now. You know, and when he started with me, it was about focus. And it wasn't, it wasn't do less. Uh, it, it was still be multi-threaded and, and have the same number of delivery channels. But he was very clear that now is not the time to spray and pray. Now is not the time to just be burning through lists. He talked about focusing on fewer people, the higher caliber people, but being more relevant to them. Maybe not even higher caliber, the higher, more qualified leads. So I really thought that was interesting. He, he, he emphasized stay multi-threaded, but now is not the time to just use standardized templates. He pointed out several times people are now picking up the phone. He talked about how they're letting their guard down is a term that he even used. And I think he's right. I'm finding the same thing in our business and, and the people that I'm talking to around the world. They're sharing with me that the phones are actually starting to get answered right now. And I think this is because people are more dependent on salespeople, but also information right now. Um, those needs are real. But I also believe that they have much less patience for somebody that's unauthentic. So I want you to think about how can you help them be authentic. And you don't want to be that unauthentic kind of fake empathy that's become a buzzword. And to do that, you need to help every rep on your team find ways to connect. Find ways to create what I call I get you moments. And make sure that you understand I'm not talking about I've got something for you moments. I get you and I've got something for you are two different things. This means that in order to do this, there's one non-negotiable. You have to, have to, have to, have to be able to speak with your customer's voice. This has always been something the best companies do, but it's more important than ever before right now. You need to be able to say something like this. Hmm, as I listen to you, it reminds me of XYZ Company who is facing a similar problem in the way they da 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 This will give you an opportunity to demonstrate that you understand the boat that they're in during this crazy storm that is raging. And so this means you've got to do something nutty. You've got to talk to your customers. You know, I loved how Daryl almost got a little exasperated as I sat on that topic a little bit because I think it's so important. It's not something that you just let marketers do. I thought it was really, really cool how Daryl identified that sales and marketing will use this information from customers in different ways. So as a leader, make sure you're doing all you can to help each rep learn to speak with your customer's voice. Not just tell your customer's story, but actually get to the point where you speak with their voice. If you're a sales leader, it is a great idea to create opportunities for your reps to have something like a Zoom panel that, that maybe two or three or, or however many of your customers are on. Your customers will tell you the problems they're currently facing and the results they're trying to achieve. Trust me when I tell you this, they need you to be successful. So find ways to collaborate and help each rep learn to speak with your customer's voice. Because again, your customers need you to help them. They need you to be successful and stay in business because they can't afford to have you die. So as long as you're not stupid about how you engage the customers, they will help you learn to speak their language. Take my word for this and make this a top priority. Now, our job as sales leaders is, I've said it a hundred times, I'm never going to stop saying it, it's to provide a well-lit pathway to success. The very best way to do this is to take the voice of your customer, those that love you, and take that to those that will be able to benefit if you solve those similar problems for them. I look at it as take the love group and, and mobilize that and take that message to the swing group that's in the middle. And to do this, I think that you're going to have to understand that the very first sale that has to happen has to happen in the heart of the rep. And that's why they need to have the voice of the customer because it will create this belief. And, and if you do that, you'll get this belief that becomes contagious. If your reps really, really believe that they can make a difference by solving problems that matter by using the product that they represent, that's something you can't fake. That's something that can be caught. That's something that can be contagious. And I'm going to say it for the last time. It cannot be faked. So you must help them build that belief. And nothing will do it better than by following Daryl's advice and by helping your reps learn to speak with the voice of those you serve. Best way to make sure your reps are comfortable at speaking with their voice? I'm going to say it again. It's the one-on-one. -on -one. I have never seen the one-on-one -on -one be more impactful than it is right now when it's done correctly. So that means now is the time to rethink your one-on-ones. So hit me up. I want to talk. I want to collaborate. I want to help you with your one-on-one -on -one approach. I had so many reach out to me last week after making this offer. I hope more will take me up this week. 
You know, you'll see on, if you go look down LinkedIn, you'll see several people sharing the experience of reaching out and that we found things that would help them. Um, I hope that you will take advantage and hit me up at Rob, R-O-B, at X-V-O-Y-A-N-T. That's Rob at xvoyant.com so we can collaborate on your one-on-one. I promise you I will not waste your time and I want to find a way to help your reps be more effective quicker. So thanks, Daryl. Congrats on your success and to all the amazing work you've done with that killer team at VanillaSoft. I love his approach to helping salespeople win. And if you aren't following right now, fix that problem and start following him today. Most of all, thanks to each of you, our listeners. The show continues to grow fast. I can't thank you enough for the support and the shares. And if you liked what we talked about today, you know what I'm going to ask. Please, please, please head to iTunes and give us a five-star review as this is the best way for the show to grow and for me to continue to get access to the best leaders in the world. So, here's to speaking with the voice of your customer. Here's to creating customer experiences that are worth talking about. Help your teams make things personal. Help your teams make things relevant. Sales is simple when you do it right. So don't look for silver bullets. Look for the fundamentals and help your team be great at it because they will thank you for it. So, I wish you all a fantastic week. And as always, don't worry. Just execute because we got you. Thanks for joining us for the Sales Leadership Podcast, your weekly pipeline to the most successful thought leaders and rainmakers in sales. Make sure to check out additional episodes at salesleadershippodcast.com. The Sales Leadership Podcast is produced by Brian Jepson and is sponsored by Exvoyant, the modern sales leadership platform for salesforce.com users. You can visit Exvoyant at exvoyant.com.